are listening to Gizmonic Institute Radio. In the not too distant future, on no specific date, there were two guys with a mutual love of MSD3K. They were on their way to watch a favorite show, but then things went bad as they tend to go. When they woke up, they were surprised to find they had been kidnapped by a scientist and launched to the sky. Now they're stuck in space until they've watched every episode of the show. That's the only way that Dr. Odd says he'll ever let them go. Now we invite you to join our heroes as they travel both near and far. Podcasting their grand adventures while hurtling through the stars. It's time for Gizmonic Institute's Radio. Hey, Seth, what are you doing? Uh, nothing much, just bored. I know you're bored. I'm also bored. It's a side effect of living in outer space with only 90 minutes of entertainment every two weeks. I've been passing the time by counting the screws in the screw locker. Really? Well, how many are there? Dove, I have no idea. I force myself to forget it every night so that each morning it's an exciting surprise for me. There has to be at least 20,000 screws in there? That locker is fairly substantial. Wow, 20,000? You really think so? I can't wait until tomorrow to find out. This is great. Sure it is. But it's not as great as what I'm doing to pass the time. Want to know what this is? Is that a homunculus? A what? A homunculus? You know, the tiny little replica man made of clay and gestated in the hollowed-out center of a pumpkin, usually for purposes of evil. Oh, a homunculus. I thought you said barn fire. No, the homunculus didn't work out. Don't you remember that pumpkin I threw out the trash lock? The one that was screaming in a tiny voice? Ick. Yes, gross. Don't remind me. That was last week. This is my new project. It's a robot. Or it will be a robot pretty soon. I just need to tweak the voice modulator and repower this AI matrix from the Gravipod generator. If you need some screws, I know where there's an innumerable amount. Gentlemen! The robot can talk! No, that's a communication from Dr. Odd. Do you think you could scoop that up? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, hello, Dr. Odd. About time you answered my call, you shiftless layabout. I really had no idea you two would be so damn lazy when I banished you to space. You mean when you tricked us into being here under false pretenses, which ultimately blew up in your face when it was discovered that your supposed torture was actually our favorite television show? I... yeah, d- just shut up. I've made mistakes in the past. Who among us has not kidnapped a stranger or two for the purposes of torture? Don't look at me like I'm the crazy one, because you're the ones who are crazy. Crazy with lies. I can't say I have ever kidnapped anyone. Me neither. My kidnapping record is as clean as a Mormon rap album. Just be quiet before I cut off the oxygen again. Do you have this week's audio log prepared for recordation? Recordation? Is that even a word? Yeah, I think you made that up just to sound smart. Of course it's a word, you monosyllabic cretins. It's the actual process of recording. It's right there in the dictionary. Look it up before you toss around accusations of word makery. I'm especially cranky today, gentlemen. I would appreciate it if you stopped with the tomfoolery and got down to doing the one thing I ask of you. Then you can get back to your leisure odd station games. Ooh, real quick. Before you go on, about that odd station, it's not really a video game system. It's more like an old voltmeter that seems to be monitoring the solar collectors on the exterior of the ship. And? Well, it's not very fun. 
We appreciate the force feedback controllers. Wired controllers. The force feedback wired controllers, but the feedback is mostly low-voltage shocks with occasional burning. Yes, it is just like your favorite game, Jumping Nintendo Brothers. You're most welcome. Now get to the audio log. I'm going to go out for a bit to purchase some sundry items for the lab here. When I get back, I expect you to be done. All out! Wow, he's sort of a jerk today. Can't he see we're busy with other things? Well, we might as well get done with the audio log so I can put the finishing touches on this robot. Have you thought of a name for the robot yet? Not yet. I'm leaning towards something scientific-sounding. Hmm, like Cybot? Ooh, how about Robotron 1500X? Homunculon. I know. I'll program him to teach us, and I'll call him the Learninator. These are all terrible ideas. Yes, most horrible. I apologize to everyone we have hurt. Let's talk about this week's episode, shall we? Yes, and let us never speak of these names again. Agreed. This episode, Joel and the bots are subjugated to The Robot vs. The Aztec Mummy, a 1958 film that goes by many, many other names. Yeah, it's kind of confusing, actually. It also goes by the name Aztec Mummy vs. The Human Robot, The Aztec Mummy Against the Humanoid Robot, and my personal favorite, La Momia Aztica Contra el Robot Humano. Excellent pronunciation. Muchas gracias. I've been using Rosetta Stone in our off time. Wait, what? Which computer has that program on it? Computer program? So, at the start of the show, we're treated to a bit with the Mads where Dr. Forrester's talking about the Mad Scientist Convention. Is that a real thing? Because if it is, I really kind of like to visit, you know, just for kicks. Well, given that he claims to have burned it to the ground three years running beginning when they laughed at him for introducing a more painful mousetrap, I feel like maybe it's not the sort of place anyone should visit. Hmm, yeah, you're probably right on that one. Anyway, this episode's Invention Exchange features an airbag helmet by Joel, you know, to protect motorcyclists in the same way airbags protect regular motorists. I thought it was pretty decent, but the invention from the Mads is perfectly evil. The Chalk Man. What a great name. Oh, yes. Essentially, it's a Fisher-Price record player spinning a chalkboard, and instead of a needle, there's a human hand scratching its fingernails. Yeah, it's also their entry to the convention. Pretty good, I think. God, just thinking about it is making me kind of insane, actually. Also, once again, the bots are nowhere to be seen until Joel brings them into the theater after movie sign. I wonder why that is. I don't know. Maybe having two robots on screen at the same time as Joel's prop comedy bits was deemed... Too confusing for normal human watchers at the time? I could see that happening. I don't know if the people at the Comedy Channel really understood the target audience for a show about a guy and his two robot friends making hilarious quips over terrible movies. They were too scared to take risks. They were in heated competition with rival comedy cable network Ha! Wait, Ha? (laughs) Really? Oh yeah! It even had an exclamation point as the official spelling. That's easily the worst network name I've ever heard. No wonder they aren't around any longer. Actually, the Comedy Channel and Ha merged to become CTV the Comedy Network, which then had to change its name because CTV was already taken by a Canadian television network. So it became Comedy Central. Wow, I feel like I'm a little kid visiting my grandparents and listening to Paul Harvey with them. And now you know the rest of the story. Sure. 
Back to MST3K talk. Before the main feature, we're treated to a Commando Cody serial. Radar Man on the Moon! Ah, Commando Cody. For my money, it doesn't get much better than that. Awful sets, hilariously primitive special effects, terrible stories. It's everything you could hope for in an MST3K movie in just minutes. Let's not gloss over the best part, the explosions. In the 50s, when you wanted to blow something up for a movie, you just blew something up. I think they encouraged environmental damage back then. Yeah, like people would respect you more if you set off some dynamite over the top of, say, a colony of endangered burrow owls. Or sacred Native American burial grounds. Or an orphan's hospital. Aww. Don't fret, there's a Shriner's hospital next door. Oh, hooray! One thing I'm curious about, is Commando a rank or his first name? I was wondering the same thing. Is Commando even a military rank? It's more of a job description, like house painter or systems analyst. Systems analyst Cody. Not bad. Here's another question. Did people of the 50s think that there was actually aliens living on the moon? For all they knew, there were. Going to the moon was like some crazy pipe dream at the time. Mostly, the United States and Russia were hurling dogs and chimpanzees into space. Probably because they believed moon aliens wouldn't be hostile to adorable animals in tiny spacesuits. I know I'd have a hard time being angry at a space chimp. We should try and get one up here sometime. That is a fantastic idea. Let's call Dr. Odd on his... Uh, Odd Phone 4S. Uh, sure. I have him in my contacts. Hello. This is the voicemail of Dr. Odd. I'm sorry I can't take your call this time, but if you leave your contact information... I'll surely return your phone call at a time that is mutually beneficial. Looking forward to hearing from you soon, and have an evil day. If you'd like to leave a text message, please press 1 now. If you'd like to hear more options, please press 3, followed by the pound key. To record your message, please remain on the line. After the tone, please speak your message. Oh, hey, Dr. Odd, it's Jeff. Seth and I were just talking, and we were wondering if there's any chance of us getting a space chimp anytime, preferably sooner rather than later. Oh, uh, don't say anything about the robot I'm building. There's actually a sign in the loading bay that says robots are strictly prohibited. Uh, we want a chimp because we aren't building a robot on account of robots being forbidden. So, uh, yeah, give us a call back whenever you get this message, or whenever is a good time. Talk to you soon. Bye. Good cover. Thanks. Hey, while we wait for him to call back, we should talk about demon dogs. Of course. The uh, non-movie segments of the show feature the demon dogs, who approach the satellite of love, and I've got to say, have the most annoying barking sound effect I can think of, short of an actual dog from the depths of the underworld. Tom Servo tries to save the day by swatting the dogs off the satellite of love with a roll-up newspaper, but instead he gets covered in demon dog... Uh, waste. Because... His original design was apparently based on a fire hydrant. Right. And dogs love to urinate on fire hydrants, and Tom Servo resembling a fire hydrant means he's doused in demon dog waste. But demon dog waste is just silly string, and silly string is just plain fun, if you ask me. You know what else is fun? The demon dog props. They're actually spray-painted Masters of the Universe toys. Really? Whoa. Yeah. It's a carrier for all your action figures that also doubles as a toy. You put all your favorite Masters of the Universe toys like Skunkor or Mechanek in the ribs and sort of let them ride around in an impractical lumbering dinosaur bone creature called Battlebones. They held a dozen figures! I wonder how they managed to get a hold of so many of them. 
What I want to know is, in what way does Tom Sover resemble a fire hydrant? He's red, he's stout. I think that maybe they tossed that in there just for the purposes of comedy. I think you may be correct in that assessment. Anyway, in the second segment, we're introduced to the leader of the Demon Dogs, who points out that the satellite of love is shaped like a giant dog bone. It should be noted that the Demon Dog leader differentiates himself from the rest of the Demon Dogs by having a mustache and a cape. And he also differentiates himself by being eaten by Gypsy. Which is a bit of deus ex machina, since it allows Crow to impersonate the leader and lead the Demon Dogs away from the satellite of love. Which is fine by me. Enough Demon Dogs for now. The words have lost all meaning. Let's talk about Robot versus the Aztec Mummy. Yes, and later, Counting Screws. First of all, we've already talked about the huge variety of names under which this movie is known. Originally, it was a Mexican film, later dubbed into English to try and rob impressionable people of their hard-earned money. Honestly, I feel like this movie may have been more enjoyable in its original Spanish. I feel like you might be correct in that assessment. I mean, what an uncompelling movie monster in The Aztec Mummy. He's afraid of a flashlight. You know, the one thing... Every single person who's in a situation where they might run into the Aztec mummy would be carrying on their person. Yes, if the movie were entirely in Spanish, at least you wouldn't understand what was happening, and everything would be sort of a surprise. Also, if the movie were in Spanish, halfway through when they started calling Dr. Krupp Bat for some reason, it would have sounded much cooler. The Spanish word for bat is murcielago. That is much better. At least if it didn't make sense to call him that, just sounding cool would partially make up for any confusion. This was confusing. Yes. Like when they attempt to subdue the mummy with a cross? A symbol of Christianity against an Aztec mummy? Maybe the whole movie was a metaphor for the Spanish conquest of the native peoples of Central America? Hmm. Nah. If anything, the scene was a metaphor for the filmmakers' belief in the superiority of their personal religion. But even that seems unlikely. You're probably right. Which just adds to the disappointment of this entire film. Absolutely. This movie should have been a slam dunk on the concept alone. An Aztec mummy fights a robot? I probably would have watched that alone for 90 minutes. Instead, there's maybe only 5 minutes of actual robot, and the robot is one of cinema's most ridiculous. It's right up there with the fake robot from the movie Hots. Oh, nice reference. I do windows, I do windows. Okay, when the robot finally appears, Servo and Crow cheer for him. Which is understandable, I guess. Uh, if I lived in a world populated almost exclusively by robots, I'd probably cheer when I saw a human in a movie. Yeah, it's too bad the mummy just straight up murders the robot. I mean, if you can actually murder a robot. Well, it was either a humanoid robot or a human robot, depending on which title you're fond of. So I think the term murder is apt. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, Joel and the bots have to leave the theater before the movie's done because a demon dog found its way in. Yeah. Not just into the theater, either, but the entire Satellite of Love is full of the little jerks. So Joel and the bots are unable to reflect on the movie due to the infestation. Instead, they brainstorm a way to rid themselves of the dogs and decide to launch a giant tennis ball into space. Which they do, successfully, and the demon dogs are seen from the exterior of the ship giving chase. Which means it's time for... Less than 20 second recap. Think you can handle it, Jeff? Oh, oh man, I, th I think so. Give me a minute to compose myself. Okay. Okay. Ready? And... Go! First people find a mummy, the lady is somehow reincarnated and knew the mummy was going to be a king, and then they went to a graveyard for stuff and there's a lot of boring exposition, the bat wants to steal some treasure, homeless guy in the graveyard gets set ablaze by a robot, the mummy is having none of it, uh, the robot gets murdered by the mummy and the reincarnated lady gives the mummy his treasure back and everything kind of ends. Yes! How'd I do? 
Wow. 17.7 seconds. Yeah. Well, pretty good. Uh, Want to go over our five favorite quips from the movie? Absolutely. Number five. At the beginning of Commando Cody, we see a close-up of him in his terrible helmet, to which Servo says, Oh, look, it's Pumpkin Boy. <laughs> Number four. When Commando Cody takes off, Joel says, One small step for man, one giant leap for... I." <laughs> Number three. In Aztec Mummy, when they enter the tomb, the line is, We're the first people to break in here, to which Crow says, The other people use the door. <laughs> Number two, in the graveyard scene, Joel and the bots do a Jerry Lewis impersonation to the action of the character on the screen. Something they seem to do a lot in all of the seasons. Mm-hmm. And finally, number one, when the robot sets the old man on fire in the graveyard, Crow says, immolation is the sincerest form of flattery. <laughs> oh, well, I do believe that's our audio log for this time around. As far as the episode is concerned, I thought it was good, but certainly not the best of them. I agree with you there, although I will admit that it was better than I anticipated. I still have this weird hang-up about the first nationally broadcast season. In my mind, I just assume they're not going to be as good as later episodes, so I come into each show with some preconceived notions. Prejudices, if you will. Did Martin Luther King Jr. teach you nothing? About MST3K? Not really. Well, no. I wonder if the doc is back from a shopping trip. Or if he bothered to check his messages while he was out. I doubt it. Doesn't he usually shop at that old fallout shelter turned farmer's market that's trendy with all the hipster scientists? I doubt a cell signal could penetrate all that lead shielding. I have returned, gentlemen. And not a moment too soon. Because I have just received some odd mail addressed to you. And I'm sending it to your mail station now. No, oh, great. Alright, let's Excellent. check out these letters. Uh, the first one is from Cody. Thanks, Cody, for writing in. He says, hey, guys, uh, though I hate to give Dr. Odd any sinister ideas. Yeah, thanks, Cody. I was just wondering if whilst taking a break from the MST through Gay Marathon, you had any intentions of doing your own riff track to a movie. I mean, I can't think of anyone else as qualified for this task. Anyways, love the show. Love, Cody. Oh, thanks, Aww, Cody. We love you um, too, Cody. I don't think we have any plans as of now to do our own riff track. No X on the end because that would be copyright infringement. Right. Exactly. But definitely something that uh, we could do in the future if there was enough demand for it, and I think it would be fun. Mm-hmm. Why don't and, you ask us again in about 200 episodes? And uh, it, only if Dr. Odd allows us to watch any other movies up here because right now it's just the one a week. I will consider it. Oh, that's so kind of you. All right. The uh, second one is from a our fan, Jason. Thank you for writing, Jason. Um, he says, hey there, I really enjoy the MIDI version of the MST3 cre- MST3K credits music that's played at the end of each show. However, I think it could be slightly improved. It seems like it's missing the little twang stinger at the end of the piece. Mm. I'm probably not describing it very well, but it basically sounds the same as the twang at the end of the opening theme, right before they transition to the doorway sequence. I think that if you added the one note at the end, it would make your version sound even better than it already does. Uh, well, Jason, um, I think that maybe the twang might be the difference between um, a tribute and copyright infringement. (laughs) But I will consider adding it because that is a good idea. Yes. So those are the letters we got this week. Thank you, Cody and Jason, for writing in. It was really nice of you to write us up here in space. Totally. More people should write to us, if for no other reason than to help us combat our crippling boredom. What's the address again? It's mail at gizmonicinstitutesradio.com. Don't forget to give us a review on iTunes as well. Odd tunes. Ugh, that too. What? What is that noise? Sounds 
It's so terrible and familiar to me. I can't seem to place it, though. Eh? Although it is bringing forth bubbling, effluent rage from deep within the pit of my dark and evil soul. Wait. I have placed a noise. Yes. It was 1985. I had gone to see a movie about a pugilist who was going to battle against a Russian foe. The film was called Rocky. Four, I, be I believe. At the beginning, this man Rocky gives to his brother-in-law a robot. A terrifying vision of the future that wishes him a happy birthday in its soulless, robotic voice. From that day forth, I vowed to never allow robots to interfere with science. And the severe lack of walking, talking robots today is a testament to my successful campaign to think them away. And yet, despite a large and colorful sign ordering you to the contrary, one of you is gone. You've built a robot of your own. You son of a Uh, Jeff? Yeah? The robot sort of came alive. Maybe we should end transmission now? Yeah, let's call this a night. End transmission.